Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I am excited because we are now officially in phase five. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty phase five. How about you? I am so phase five that I rushed right home and set up from like, I'm, I am 20 minutes out of the theater, 30 minutes out of the theater. I'm about an hour out. I, I, I think in all the times that we've done this podcast in the shows and the movies, this, this is, is only like the third time maybe that we've done immediately after. I think it's the first that's immediately after. I'll have to double check that. I know we did at least one. I want to say at least No Way Home because we did that with the MCU Rewind guys. And we did that like day of. Okay. Okay. But this is the first time for the two of us to be like, you're going to a seven o'clock show. I went to a 730 show mm-hmm. with the goal of coming home and saying what we thought and felt. Yeah. So you're you're getting thoughts fresh off the dome, fresh out of the theater. Uh, this probably is going to be a shorter, quick reaction, kind of like we, we usually do whenever there is a new movie. Um, so we'll have some pre-spoiler thoughts. You'll hear an audio cue that'll take us into the spoiler zone where we'll be able to discuss the movie without fear of spoilers. Um, I do want to mention here at the top uh, two things, because what you heard last week was recorded in January. What yes. you're going to hear after this week is also stuff that was recorded in January. So this is the most direct that we could be between now and you listening. Uh, if you are still in the Discord, one of the things we did is we changed the MCU general to a forum in Discord, which is a just different type of label. But what it enables us to do is create specific posts for each individual episode of the podcast. So if you're listening along and you want to react to the podcast episode, there's a place specifically for it. Uh, I know friend Daniel took advantage of that last week. Um, Ben dot Maddie did the same. And it was really cool to have like a just congregated spot for everybody mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about our episode. Yeah. So. Well, when friend Daniel first started listening, he would just message me directly mm-hmm. live react. I like the evolution of he started off texting you. Then I think he was texting you and me separately. Then it was a group text. Then it was discord. And now it's in the forum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And see, um, see now like, like the clot one of the, it was a year ago, but it was a, a class I was taking for professional development and I missed the zoom watch. And in true friend Daniel fashion, I w- had to watch it back, but I just live reacted into the chat as my answer. <laughs> <laughs> and a friend of mine, uh, another coworker who's um, <laughs> also took the class, and he was like, "You didn't leave me anything to say, because <laughs> like, I just went through the whole hour Zoom and just." <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah. Well, one more housekeeping note that I wanted to say before we jump into our pre-spoiler thoughts. Uh, Before we took our hiatus, one of the things I said I was going to try and do was continue the watch-alongs with the movies and maybe some of the assembled documentaries. I'm going to be completely honest, time is a factor. (laughs) I was trying to do those on Saturday so that we could do more time zone friendly stuff. I just haven't found the time for that, unfortunately. Uh, But I do want to reassure watch-alongs will continue whenever stuff like Secret Invasion. Yeah. Yeah, the Disney Plus, because we'll do those at the regular time and uh, I'll we'll reassess the movie stuff at a different time yeah. at some point in the future. Yeah, because so. you're we're mid into February. You're about to start ramping up. Yeah, you're about to 
to start pulling those eight day a week work days. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to use my conqueror powers, which is going to lead us into our pre spoiler thoughts for Ant-Man of the Wasp quantum mania. So like we said, this is a spot. If you haven't seen the movie yet, we're not going to go into the spoilers. We're just going to give a general reaction to what we just saw. Uh, you'll hear an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania? If you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, yeah, because yeah, it's it's one of those. I think we were just we were even talking about it off pod. It's one of those. It's like you should see in the theater, like like experientially, visually, to get a sense of, especially with the character that shrinks and. That gets large, you know, Ant Man and, and Giant Man to get us to get a real sense and appreciation of the scale. Yeah, uh, I saw it in an XD theater, which is not quite IMAX, but it's kind of like a middle ground between a standard screen size and then uh, IMAX. What did you see it in? Uh, regular, regular. Yeah, I texted our group message with TK that for better and worse, this movie is straight up a live action adaptation of Rick and Morty. And what I mean by that is it takes absurdity, like it shares some DNA with Love and Thunder with that absurdity. But for me, where I think the two differ and why I enjoy Quantumania more than I did Love and Thunder is that absurdity leans more towards weird, mm-hmm. whereas Love and Thunder leaned more towards just dumb, dumb humor, yeah, like playing dumb. And so- comedically I get more mileage out of the weird sense, especially cause you have someone like Paul Rudd reacting to weird situations like that. Um, well, and it's funny you said Rick and Morty and which I, I've not watched, mm-hmm. but there, it's an unfortunate comparison because of uh, recent events. But. Well, well I was, the other thing that came to mind was, um, and I imagine the show's very similar, uh, gravity falls. I haven't um, seen that. You know, it's gravity fall again. It's, it's, it's on Disney plus. It has like the animation style and sensibilities of um, big city greens, which I really like, mm-hmm. but it has the twilight zone weirdy kind of stuff. That's like you're watching it and you get to a point where you're like, how in the world is this in the eight plus year old section? Mm. Like this. No, this is, this is, <laughs> I'm immediately this, thinking of some scenes from Quantum Mania. This should not belong with the, in the in the kids section of Disney Plus. I don't know how they got away with that. It's a different time, uh, but 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 yeah, but it, it is that kind of like I said, the funny, goofy, but quirky, weird, weird. sci fi things. And I, I do want to back you up on the visual spectacle. There. At worst, I'll start here and work to the positive. At worst, it sometimes feels like Star Wars prequel territory with the action, like just noisy and bombastic and like, oh, my God. But at best, and I'll leave it at that, it has produced probably a contender for one of my favorite scenes of the year by the time we get to the end of the year. And I'll pick that up in the spoiler zone. And while watching I literally had this thought. This is why I, I, I smiled so big when you said that. It was like, this is going to be, in my mind, like the Phantom Menace. Like, I, I got pe- Phantom Menace vibes. I think people are going to enjoy it. They're going to come away from it and think, ugh. But then go back to it and realize it's not as bad 
as people think it is. Um, and and there's far worse. It, there's there is like, a Attack version of the clones and the Last Jedi. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to take the bait. We've got a we got a short night ahead of us. Uh, there is a version of this movie that is outright bad. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It's Paul Rudd. Let's get into the spoiler zone. Let's do that. Let's, let's do that. So, like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And and we're back. I'm so tempted to just use your version of it rather than the actual sound file. <laughs> oh my god! You're editing, so uh, I might. No, it's it's it, it. It reminded me very Phantom Menace, but I had that thought of like we'll come back. Like people are going to enjoy the experience. They're probably going to walk away and think about it and be like, and why these things that are wrong with it. But when you go back later, I think, I think people have a, a better appreciation for it, mm-hmm. you know, and realize, Oh, we were probably too hard on it. Um, and just like Phantom Menace, where the bulk of it is to set something up better or set to, to set future stuff up. It, that's what this felt like. It is exposition heavy. This movie, there's a frequent stretches of time where I'm like, oh, you're just telling me more than you're showing me. Like, you're telling me how great King is. You're telling me how great Scott's life is. Like, I'm not seeing these. You're just getting to the next. This is where the weakest part of it is. I want to say the next big set piece, but the set piece isn't even always that rewarding because it's just characters we don't even know. Like, these sentient beings in the quantum realm that they just kind of like yada yada away. It's like, yeah, they're here. Deal with it. We're having fun. We're loud. We have buildings that are alive. Like, like if I'm imagining, you know, the elementary school kid that goes to see this, a lot of this movie is going to be their new hope. You you know, Star Wars, new hope, like the first time you're introduced to the cantina scene Mm -hmm. and Star Wars, new hope. And you see all these creatures and stuff. But the difference to me in there is that it was just there and part of the environment and they didn't acknowledge it like it was normal. Whereas these characters, as they should, this is the first time they're encountering it, but it has that acknowledgement. And so it, it's, like you said, it kind of took away because you had all this exhibition. They didn't just like trust you to buy into the, to the, what they were showing. Oh God, you bring up the the phrase trusting you. There was a scene in particular where I swear, I think this is what it is. Again, this is coming straight from the theaters, but there was like, they repeated it three times. If I get this thing for you, you'll let Cassie go. Yeah. If you get this thing for me, I'll let Cassie go. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get this thing. And then you let Cassie go. They just did it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Another thought I had as it go to him is like, they didn't. They fell short one proofread of the script. Like they could have used another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not not trash the whole script, but there was some dialogue. It was that thing that you always say, and then this happened, and then this happened, and so it had this clunkiness to it that I'm like, man, if you would, it, it feels like if you would have done one more draft and one more rewrite with what you had you would have you would have got it mm-hmm. 
there's something there. There's a there's oh, yeah. a there there with this movie that I didn't feel. No, I shouldn't say that because I we talked about the possibilities of other movies that have disappointed us. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to something you said about Paul Rudd, not Paul Rudd, something you said about them reacting to the weirdness. And I think this is where Paul Rudd shines the most and where I mm-hmm. found the most comedy out of the movie. Uh, there's a scene in particular where uh, the, I don't know the the character's name, but William Harper Jackson, uh, Cheaty from The Good Place, is mm-hmm. interrogating Scott and Cassie. And they had that weird goo figure that's like asking them about their holes. And he's like, all right, they've got seven. Just forget about it. And you see like Scott just sit there and start counting and you could see on his face like, okay, yeah, that tracks like stuff like that was so funny. And they they pepper that in frequently throughout their depth into the uh, quantum realm. Yeah. See, I thought with his character, there was a missed opportunity. Like I, I, I recognized him and I recognized him for the good place, which I haven't seen enough of to like really buy in. Right. And, and so I'm really curious to talk to some people who really love the good place and see, is there things like nods that I've missed, mm-hmm. but like it, like they expected me, I felt like they expected me to, to make more connections to him. And so they didn't give him as much as they could have. He, um, he's a big name for how little he gets. Right. So again, it's things like that. It's things like the other thought I had was, and I don't know if this is a me thing and like what I am got trained to Mm -hmm. with so much Disney plus content and watching last of us and and stuff like that is I'm like, this could have been so much better in eight to 10 episodes as a series. Cause you would have had a, had more time to world build. You would have had more time to really get to know these characters and have some of these moments have a, have more of an impact as they travel through the, the, you know, the quantum realm leading up to this big finish. Yeah. It felt like that should have been a show. Yeah. Well, it, it, there's moments of this movie that feels like each individual character is in a different story. You have Janet, who is constantly doing the like, I know something, but I'm not going to tell you. And it's like a secret they'll never reveal. You have. Yeah. And and we know what the secret is already because of it. So there's no drama there. Right. Then you have Hank who I, I can't tell if I like or hate this, what they did with Hank. But the one thing I know for sure I like is how much they emphasized how weird it is that he loves ants so much. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I swear he says, I got ants like five times throughout this movie. Yeah, but, uh, I, I that's the thing. I liked what they did with my with Michael Douglas and Hank Pym. I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I thought they could have done better with Janet. You know, like like from the trailer, I knew it was like, oh, she has a history. She has a, something happened, right? Um, and so all, it was just a matter of like what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for a lot of the stuff, I guessed I expected somebody to die, and Modoc doesn't count. I mean, I mean, like one of the main people right i so yeah it's it felt like they didn't do character development and they just let what you already knew about the character all the characters stand and then just brought out the old cliches and tropes for janet yep 
So to finish that thought about saying how it feels like people are in different movies, you have, of course, King the Conqueror setting up as the big bad of the MCU, but he outweighs a lot of the levity. Um, It doesn't feel like a good balance there. And then you have like an inkling of a story with Scott and Cassie of the typical Cassie wants to be the hero. Scott's like, no, you need to live a normal life. But he's also wrestling with how much time he's lost with her. But they really don't zone in on any of that. It's too many disparate storylines for it to come together in a satisfying conclusion for me. Well, yeah, like like the speech she gave didn't hit Mm-mm. like they wanted it to. But that, I think, was the fault of all juggling so much, you know, and not really having this development. Because, like, I got it. I know why she had to give the speech, right? Your, your basic learning from the mentor, you know, and I've learned and I'm going to show that I can do it. Again, I was going on a rant with you the other day about people not knowing and being able to tell. And sure enough, I'm standing outside the theater waiting for my dad to get out of the restroom and have these, I'm old dude, but they have these kids talking about that speech and like, that was dumb. She shouldn't get it. I was like, basic storytelling. Yes. She has to tell the speech. Go back to high school. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, you know, but while that's part of it, it's also a failure on the writers and the directors and stuff to like, no, cause that moment didn't hit. Right. You didn't put, we didn't get the tracks leading up to that speech. Like outside well, they, of the, in your the words, gen- they didn't earn the moment. That's a way better way to put it. They didn't earn that moment. Um, I want to hit two things and then I want to pivot to some positive things because it feels like we've been hammering it pretty hard. So I want to make sure we do emphasize some of the things we do like, cause we did say it was a spectacle. It was enjoyable. I want to make sure we emphasize that. Uh, Modoc. I was so ready to have the same vitriol that I have for Howard, the duck for Modoc <laughs> until the end, the way he died saved everything leading up to that. And I don't, I don't know if it was worth it. Like if it worth his inclusion, but the idea of him going like, awesome, I'm a hero. I'm an Avenger was just, I was cackling in my seat. (laughs) You've, you've always been a brother to me. Uh, I have. have. (laughs) (laughs) You have. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like Modoc is such a loved character and from the comics and I thought they pulled it off. Really? I do like, like because he did go to the quantum realm. Right. And the idea of showing off Kang, the conquerors tech. Right. And it's like putting them together, you know, and like in kind of that assumed he died, what happened to him kind of thing like that worked for me. I was fine with Modoc. It's the worst version of the Red Skull reveal. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. But but you're right. Like but that's the thing is like going in, I was like, how are they gonna do Modoc? Like it, is he gonna be actually the big bad behind King? Well like I kept trying I couldn't figure out how they were gonna do it, but the way to me the way they did it it worked. I did like that they were trying for some sort of story circle of like first Ant-Man Cassie is threatened by yellow jacket in her room. They even made fun of it. It's like, dad, I was attacked by a bee when I was six. I've never lived a normal life. Yeah. I, they were building up to it, but they never really like 
let that moment shine of Cassie finally taking him down. And I think having it be the like the exchange of like, just you don't have to be this man. It's like, well, look at me. What am I supposed to be? She's like, I don't know. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> like, <that's- laughs> no, I, I love that. Now, I will say the one part that didn't work was all the flashbacks. Like simply doing one flashback was fine, but like to flashback every single scene from the first movie, mm-hmm. it's like you. I, I get it. That um, might have been the moment I think I was trying to remember of them not trusting the audience. Yeah, but, it, but otherwise, uh, again, that it was it was hard. It, I liked the first Ant Man. I know a lot of people didn't. You know, or there's mixed reviews. I loved it. I loved Ant Man and the Wasp, and it was clearly Ant Man and the Wasp their movie. This movie was Ant-Man. You can tell, but it didn't feel like it. And it was hard to tell whose movie it was. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's definitely not Wasps. No, but see, that's, that's where like I'm imagining as a long form, you can really develop those characters, you know? And so, and so I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just trying to say is like, it's more of a disappointment because they had something there. You know, and you could see it, and it's right there, and it's like, ah, uh, you know, um, take take one more year and, and do it again. That was one thing I wish I would remembered would have remembered to say in the pre spoiler zone. Another one of my initial reactions to this movie. I'm so glad Kevin Feige and Co. put out the statement that they are slowing down and spacing these titles out because it is it is clear this needed more time to bake. Yeah, and I would put forth. Similarly to how I talked about, is it the fifth episode of Miss Marvel where you can tell clearly like just the way it's shot, the way it looks, that the stuff that takes place in the past was handled by one team. And then when they jumped to the present with the mom was so distinctly, oh, these are pickups. I think because originally, if you remember, this movie was supposed to be the July spot that Captain or the Marvels had mm-hmm. and the Marvels and Ant-Man f- switched places. Yeah. I think there was something that happened because you have all that moment where uh, Scott fights Kang, gets Kang to go away. The portal's closing. They, they settle all that. Then they come back to the present day where Scott's doing his happy go lucky, like buying yeah. the cake, getting ready for the party. That felt like a completely different movie. Oh, so I, yeah. I feel like something was changed. I was disappointed. Yeah. Like I was, cause, cause by that point I'm like, okay, this is Captain America civil war, right? Like yeah. you've announced your slate. We know what's coming. You've said you've, you've really gave us Kang after Loki. Right. But this is, he's stuck on the other side and something multiverse is going to have to happen in order to, to get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so to see him actually get back and have all that, I'm just like, you know, and then it, and, and because of that, it didn't have a satisfying ending. Cause you had that moment, which was really funny. of like, wait, he said something worse is coming and all, and all this other stuff. And it's like, it was a funny moment, but like you undercut the end of the film and you repeat it. You have him doing that, walking down the, the sidewalk. Oh my God, something worse is coming. Ah, it'll be fine. Cut to the dinner scene. He's like, oh my God, something worse is going to happen. Oh my God, this cake's awful. Like that was literally the final scene of the movie is that the cake tasted bad. 
<laughs> yeah. So what I was expecting him to do, because you know he kept talking about time, right? And I can do time for you and all this other stuff. I because they started at the beginning, I expected him to stop and and have this like deja vu moment and be like, I've done this before. Now and then and then keep walking and then leave it at that. Yeah, like, and do something that would have been so much better. Something similar to Loki, where like instead of Scott recognizing it, make it something that we recognize that indicates Kang's superiority on that timeline. Mm-hmm. For example, in Loki season one, it ends where Loki gets back to the TVA, and rather than it being the timekeepers, it's the uh, the Kang statues, yeah. and Mobius doesn't recognize who Loki is. Something small like that where us as the audience bears that knowledge, but Scott doesn't bear that knowledge, and he's stuck in some sort of time loop. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. We got we got we got our writer's hat in for a minute. So yeah, let, let's pivot to some positives. Uh, I did say in the pre spoiler thoughts that one of the there's a scene that is a contender for one of my favorite scenes of the year by the end of the year. And that is the probability storm. That was so cool. That was fantastic. And it's and it, it's the perfect microcosm i think no pun intended pun like perfect microcosm of what makes ant-man a fun franchise is you have the humor of paul rudd scott lang you have the fun time not time bending the fun like physical bending of shrinking down to quantum size and it's just a fun sequence a fun visual sequence um it reminded me a lot of the same like spirited oh let's have fun with shrinking that the first ant-man had when they're fighting with mm-hmm. the train set and then it cuts to the train just falling off yeah. this felt like an a different way to explore that and having all the different versions of scott helping him achieve this goal and the one unifying thing being because they love cassie mm-hmm. i with you i love that scene mm-hmm. and gut feeling that's a test how so? And we're gonna like we're gonna see something like like a visual test. Can we do this? And we're, I bet you we see a larger scale of that multiverse wise in the future. In one of the Avengers movie, yeah. You know, I'm so glad you say that because there was many times throughout this film that I thought, oh, they're they're testing stuff for mm-hmm. Kang's Dynasty or, or Secret Wars, like the post credit scene of Mm -hmm. all the various kings you could tell that's that feels like the thanos post credit scene in avengers endgame felt like here's who it's going to be but we don't have his look quite nailed down yet not avengers endgame avengers oh thank you for that correction i don't know why i said endgame uh this literal last point that thanos (laughs) is maybe i'm king i'm starting from all different places um well, yeah, I feel like it's 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 uh, a testing ground. I think that was a cool way to put it. What about you? What are uh, what are some positives that you have for this movie? Long silent pause. We'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song. Um, well, and I think I've thrown some of them in there. Like I, I liked what Hank Pym did. Um, th- that's the thing. I really enjoyed the movie, and mm-hmm. I think they did a lot of good things. I just, and I'm wondering if that bump up had anything to do with it because there's things where it just I see what they were trying to do it just didn't hit well like I the Bill Murray thing 
it didn't hit well for me. I mean, it was funny, but for being at Bill Murray, I'm like, you basically try to do a Jeff Goldblum, you know? Well, the thing with Bill Murray is like, normally I expected more. Well, it's like, even when he's playing antagonistic roles, he's always just dripping with charm. Yeah. He wasn't charming at all in, in this. No. And I don't know. Uh, we, so, and I know you're showing me the positive, but, but like, that's the thing. There's so much I liked about it, mm-hmm. but it's like, I feel like they got me to just that point, And it's like, just didn't push me over the edge of like getting lost in it. Um, but the, uh, I love the visuals. I loved what, you know, the continuation of Hank Pym, uh, Paul Rudd, I think his continuation, I, Evangeline Lilly, um, a little socialist propaganda in there. Um, <laughs> I got ants, <laughs> you know, well, no, well, just with the whole, like, I know this is well, a bad word, socialism, but if you look right. at here, it's like, okay, dad. And I'm like, are you poking fun at Evangeline Lily for her own stances during the pandemic? Cause she was kind of a, I'm not wearing a mask kind of thing. You know, can't. So, is it a kind of a joke at that? Or was it kind of a like, no, actually, this really does work? And, and in case you haven't noticed, that's the whole theme of the movie: the the lower class rising up over the like, you know, the, the and and so yeah, like it, it's. I did wonder: is that another one of those moments where it was just like, in case you didn't get it, this is yeah. what we're doing. Um, you know, but again, it's one of those things where it's just like that. The, 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 there wasn't enough of balance between the, the whole, like, I trust you to that. I'm just going to show you this. And I trust myself or ourselves as, as those who made it, that you're going to figure it out or that I have, they have the ability to get us there without having to just exposition, exposition, exposition. Yeah. And then, of course, Jonathan Majors was just fantastic. Jonathan Majors is fantastic. Uh, I have a, a, a quibble I'll bring up when we get to the uh, in tags. Uh, he is a fantastic actor. It's really cool how distinct King the Conqueror felt versus He Who Remains. Mm-hmm. Uh, those felt like two different characters for me. Um, I am concerned that the powers do feel just like laser beams. But there's enough gravitas of Jonathan Majors to kind of uh, like compensate for that. Uh, another newcomer, Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang. I feel like they were already we may have talked about this on pod or not, but I felt like it was already an uphill battle because not only do you have to deal with the consequences of in-game replacing the absolutely adorable original Cassie who just by the nature of the blip and then what this story entailed could not re- reprise the role, but they were also replace replacing uh, the actor from Endgame. Not that they had as much of um, an endearment to the audience as the original mo- Ant-Man movies actor. It was just, it was a lot of shakeup. I think she did pretty good given what like the turmoil. Um, I think she looks a lot closer to the smaller kid grown up to uh, what they would be in 2025 or we're in now. They were fine. Yeah, no, but okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm watching it and I'm like, Amon Villani, that was her first job and just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. 
It's not a Mon Valani territory. And and so I now her performance sometimes took me out of the movie. Really? Yeah, and I was just like Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, like you know. I'm gonna stop there because then I'll say something rude. I just I like the interplay of Scott Lang, we saw how he was in the first Ant-Man learning to use the suit and now being the mentor role to her. And I thought that that chemistry between uh, Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton worked well enough to that mentor mentee role. See, that's, that was my thing is like, I didn't think they had much chemistry. I thought like Paul Rudd carried everything and I'm watching like, I don't know how she got the job. Like I just didn't like her performance at all. And I, I don't, I can't, I don't have anything good to say about it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that's the other thing of like, it was an honored moment, but even the way she delivered that speech was just kind of like, yeah, that's not, that wasn't good. Yeah. Now in fairness, I just brought up a Mon Valani, like, and she knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And so it's in, in fairness to, to Catherine, that's probably not a fair comparison. I was going to say, you're going to the, the tip top, as far as like Amon Vellani's up there with like best new additions, not just best performances, best new additions to yeah. the MCU. Yeah. So, but, but if that's what they're doing and they're passing on to this, any, anyways, <laughs> I mean, you get, you get Melange, Amon Vellani, Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld. And now this person, like I just, the performance that I'm looking at that just is not going to fit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, unless there's any more you want to highlight, I think we can switch over to the uh, in tags. Yeah, let's uh, go ahead. So I mentioned I had a quibble. I I told you on our phone conversation Thursday that I had my expectations set pretty low because I heard some unfavorable comparisons to Love and Thunder. And the way that I would measure this movie is how excited it makes me for Kang. And Mm -hmm. I was very excited for Kang until they showed a version of him wearing the Pharaoh getup, another version that looked like he was straight out of a Mortal Kombat video game. And then the 50 million versions of him that were just acting erratically. (laughs) I didn't like the post credit scenes at all. (laughs) That's interesting. I, I, I liked the post credit scenes. Uh, I liked them. I enjoyed both. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do. The Pharaoh get up, I thought was weird. You know what it reminded me of? What? Community, where they're trying to get <laughs> Abed as the cafeteria cook. And he's like, I dressed up like a Pharaoh for you, man. <laughs> 100% the only thing going through my mind that entire time. <laughs> yeah. See, my thought was like, oh, are we going to see Moon Knight back again? Like, mm-hmm. like that. I, that's where my head went. It's like, are they trying to tip us that kind of connection? Because otherwise, we haven't seen anything Egyptian related in the MCU mm-hmm. at all, you know. Um, and so that's why I was just like, "Why that specifically?" You know, um, must have been a sell at Party City, <laughs> right? Like, and so, <laughs> and so I'm I, I was okay with that one, you know, and because again, it kind of I think it reinforced that okay, this king did die. And bring up kind of the threat that oh man, as powerful as this looked, and like you said, oh, is it just lasers? Like, wait, this one died and there's others. It's going to get worse, you know? And so that's where I liked it because it, it left me with that feeling. And the next one, um, what I 
liked about it is again seeing another side and Jonathan Majors doing another Kang, but also seeing Loki and Mobius again. Like that was unexpected. It was unexpected. So my my dislike of this one's a little bit more nitpicky, even more so than the previous one. It to me, it was too short to be like an in-universe tease. And it was too straightforward to feel like just a trailer for what's coming up. Like I couldn't make heads or tails of like, is this going to be part of season two of Loki? Is this like a interstitial scene between properties? Like it just felt like barely anything for me to get excited about it. Well, again, I, I was excited in the sense of like, I was surprised. (laughs) I didn't expect it. (laughs) But there, I, I will go with you on this and to say, I, I, I don't know if this is going to be like the end tag of um, Eternals, where you hear Blade's voice and you, and you see what connect, what's next for Kit Harrington, but it's like, we have no idea when those are going to show up again. Mm-hmm. And in theory, secret invasion is what's supposed to get us next. But we do have Loki season two coming this summer. Right. And so it makes you wonder what's going to happen with secret invasion. Why tag, why tag that if there's another show or movie coming before, I think long gone are the days that the end tag is what's next. Yeah. It it has immediately next. It has to be. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I did like it just because I like Owen Wilson. I like Mobius. I like Tom Hiddleston. I like Loki. So like that part was exciting, but there wasn't enough meat on that bone to like really know which way to go with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are my, my nitpicks. Yeah. And they're good. <sighs> they're good. Man, I want to get to a point where we're watching MCU movies where it's like, oh, we clearly liked it. <laughs> just say, no, I did enjoy it. <laughs> um. I feel like it's coming with Guardians. I'm not going to say that, but um, but I, I know it will happen. <laughs> you know what will happen? Well, I'm saying I know it will happen. Like we're, we're, we're oh, just going to come on and we know what will happen. And we're going to come on here and gush about something. But I just I don't want to I don't want to put that kind of expectation out. I'm saying, oh, it's going to happen on Guardians. Oh, OK. I got you. Got gotcha. you. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So. Well, cool. I think that's going to wrap it up. This is our quick react to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, We'd like to know what you thought of the movie as well. Uh, We are going to have a post specifically for this episode that you can react to there. It'll have spoiler warnings. Uh, We do have an Ant-Man and the Wasp channel where people are sharing their first time views. So one of those two places should work. Uh, At MC Need to Know, Twitter and Instagram, you can let us know what you thought of the movie there. Yeah, those are the... Those are great places to keep in contact with us. And uh, we'd love to hear from you soon. Absolutely. And let's keep the streak up. Five-star rating on Spotify. And keep giving us good ratings on Apple Podcasts. It helps and people care about those things. Uh, and we're people. So the best thing you can do for us is try, try and, and love the look on your face. Uh, share with a friend. <laughs> Oh my, you reminded me of the movie human. Is that, is that what you call yourselves? <laughs> We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. 
You can find more of his work on SoundCloud, which, by the way, I thought of this today. I love our theme song. 100% fantastic rendition by Nick Sandy. How did we not think to go with the Marvel Studios fanfare cover for the intro to this podcast? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we went with the Avengers theme, but it would have been more apropos to do the uh, the fanfare cover for this. Hmm. I don't have enough musical talent and I don't want to bother Nick Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll stick to thanking him. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. All right, uh, real quick, let's get synced up before we get too much further. Ready? Oh, what? no, we don't need to get synced up. This is Zencaster. I know. I was wondering, I was like, what? You want to do it for fun? <laughs> sure. One, One, two, <laughs> three, go. All right, we're synced up. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's do, I want to do what MC Rewind does where they have the like a few seconds of silence because that's been helping me create an audio gate a lot. So... Okay. We'll do uh 10 seconds starting now. <laughs> you had- <laughs> All this time we thought you were in the closet for noise. It's to keep you away from fidgety toys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's try this again. Starting now. <laughs>